Good morning. Good morning. Man, you guys are quiet this morning. Good morning. Um, I'm like sweaty, and you guys, man, the air condition's better out there, I guess. Um, whew, that was good, right? Um, so good just to sing those truths in this place. Um, man, just thankful for what God's doing, what He's done. Um, I'm just going to take a moment and pray. For me this morning, I don't want to get in the way um, of what God's doing. And maybe for you, you just want to pray that God would open your eyes and your ears and your heart to what he's saying. Um, Or maybe if you're already open, you can just pray for me. So, Father God, this morning, I thank you. God, and I want you more than anything else, Jesus. I need you in these moments just to move in a way that I can't move, God, that this morning you would just do something that I am not capable of doing in, in me and in this place. God, I know, um, God, above everything else this morning, I need to hear from you. I don't need to, um, to do more songs, and I don't need to hear more messages. God, I need to hear from you. Um, God, without you this morning, everything that we're doing, it's just a waste. But God, with you um, this morning, there are amazing things, life-changing things that can happen in these moments. And God, I don't want to walk in here and walk out of here the same anytime. I come into this place. Um, God, I need to hear from heaven today. Um, So God, I'm just praying that you would help me to be receptive. God, that you would open my eyes and my ears and my heart, that I could see you, hear from you, that I could feel you this morning. God, that you um, would just move in such a way, God, to to revive um, in me something um, that I can't do on my own. So, God, we need you, and we love you, and we thank you, and we don't want to be in the way this morning. So just move. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to be in this place this morning and to just share uh, what God's put on my heart with you guys. If you have your Bible, you can go to 2 Corinthians 5, and um, you're going to get there, and you're going to be like, oh, I've seen this before, and I think probably out of... um, all, all the chapters, um, maybe we've preached almost the whole thing. I don't know if we've went from the top to bottom, but I think in pieces we've chunked through the top of this to the bottom of this before. But man, just as I was praying uh, this week about, God, what would you want me to do? Um, it was crazy. I totally thought we were going a different direction. I had like a different thing that I was headed toward. And then he was like, now, maybe next time. Um, and just as I was praying, this verse popped into my head. And um, anyway, um, I know this is what God would have for us this morning. And I know before you knew you were going to be here, God already decided he had something for you to say to you today. And I just think that's amazing that God moves on that scale and on that level. We can't even wrap our minds around. We don't even know what we're doing tomorrow. And God knows what we're doing every day. <laughs> and uh, it's no coincidence this morning that we wandered into this place on this day to hear this word. And this morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to continue talking about a series we started last week called This Is Me. Um, I'm just kind of staying in the song stuff, I guess, for the, I don't know, maybe the rest of summer, maybe it's done after today, I have no idea. God just kind of does what he wants to, uh, and I'm okay with that. But we, we've been doing this series called This Is Me, and the whole idea is really just who we are uh, in Jesus, who, who God says that we are. Uh, who are we, all right? And it all spawned kind of off of an idea a couple of weeks ago. That just I didn't know we were going to make a series out of it, but inside of a message there was this thing that it just kind of popped out, and it was, we'll never, uh, until we see ourselves as God sees us, we'll never live as God intends for us to live. 
What a powerful idea that is. Until we see ourselves as God sees us, we'll never live as God intends for us to live. I think, to be honest, that's such an amazing statement because there's so much truth in that statement. So, So we look at the church and we look at really a group of people who don't always live how God intends for us to live biblically, right? And you're like, well, why do those two things not match up? Well, I think maybe two options for us this morning. And one is that some of us just don't know what God says about us, right? Now, I'll be honest, I was raised in church for 11 years, and I didn't even begin to understand anything about the Bible other than I was lost, and now I'm not, right? And Jesus came and Jesus died so that I didn't have to be. And he was resurrected. He was coming back. And I was like 21 years old. I'd been saved for like 10 years before I knew anything else about what the Word of God said. And maybe some of us are in that same boat. Maybe we've been here 10, 20, 30 years. And we're like, (laughs) I mean, I know he died, right? I know he is resurrected. I know he's coming back, but... Maybe I don't know the truths about what God says or who God says that I am. And then maybe for some of us on this other side of the ship, and this I dealt with for years too, is I do know what God says about me. But then I look at my life and I look at these things and these two things don't match up, right? I look that God says that I'm loved, but I don't always feel loved. And I look that God says that I'm worthy and I don't always feel worthy. And I look that God says that I'm chosen. And sometimes I'm like, God, did you make a mistake? Anybody with me on that? You, you look at what the word says and you're like, I don't see that in me. And just maybe some comfort to us this morning. It's not really about how we see ourselves. We are the created today. We don't get to ascribe value to the created, right? As a pot, I don't get to decide what price is on me, right? I'm just a vessel, but the creator, he gets to describe all, he gets to ascribe all worth and all value. And today, if he says these things about us, then they are true, whether we see it or not. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of these things and, and what God says about us. And this morning, we're going to do that in 2 Corinthians 5. And I love 2 Corinthians 5. It's kind of an amazing chapter. It talks about our future after death, which maybe sounds morbid to you guys. But man, I'm glad that there's something after this. What a pointless thing this would be, right? If I was just going to be here for 80 years and suffer through this thing with good moments and bad moments. And they were going to put me in a hole and that was the end of it. Man, what a pointless thing this would be. But like, thank God there's something after this. And, and for those of us that know him, that thing after this is better than the thing we're living in today. And it talks about that future after death. And, and some of us, I think, have questions about that. And I just encourage you, if you're like, what happens when I leave this place? Maybe just read the beginning of this later to yourself. But today we're going to focus on kind of the end of it around 16. I'm going to put this water down so I don't make that noise the whole time. Um, kind of scream my lungs out a couple times this morning this letter um second corinthians is a letter written by a man named paul don't know if you've heard about him but he wrote like most of the back half of the book that you have in your hand um and he, he wrote this to the church at corinth a group of people like us who would say we're saved we're jesus people we've come to know god whatever word you want to put on that basically i would say people that have given their lives to jesus not people that have prayed a prayer Uh, That may or may not be a thing, right? But people that have given their lives to Jesus, this is who he's writing this to. And and he writes this letter about how we're going to live out this newfound faith, right? This, how, how we're going to follow Jesus in, in a time where Jesus is not standing on the planet with us when he was writing this to the Corinthians, right? He wrote two of these letters that we have. And the second one he's writing um, 
we'll get down to what we're going to talk about today in 5, about verse 16, and he says, from now on. Now, how many of us have read that and started in 16, verse of the day, right, from now on, and we're like, just blow through that because that was unimportant, but really the context of everything we're going to read is found kind of in those words. We've got to back up a little bit. From now on means there's something that happened, <laughs> and it's going to change everything that happens after this. It's how we've got to read in context. So from now on, if you'll back up to about 14, we're going to get some context, and it says, for Christ's love compels us. And forces us, it pushes us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all have died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. This is the context, the framework that everything we're about to read sets inside of. I just want to point out something for you. Uh, all died, right? Yeah. Go back to Ephesians, right? We're all spiritually dead. That's the death he's talking about here. I know today everybody we see on this side of the ground, for the most part, they've got a heartbeat and they've got this lung thing going on. You're like, I don't really see them as dead. But spiritually, the truth of the word of God is without God, we're separated from God and we're spiritually dead. In our trespasses and our sins, we've earned it. All have died. But look at what it says. It says all died. But it says he died for all, everybody, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. So all have died, some live. Right? Everybody spiritually died, but today some people live. It's this truth that we talked about last week that, that not everybody is saved. Until we get that church, we will never, ever do what God has called us to do. Right? Somebody did an illustration the other day, and it made so much sense to me. We will never share the gospel until we believe people actually need the gospel. No more than we would throw a float to somebody walking on the bottom of a dry lake bed, right? If we don't believe someone needs saving, then there's no way we will ever participate in the saving act. And the truth of the word of God today is not all people will make it to heaven. I'm just going to say that again because we need to wrap our brains around that. Not all people will make it to heaven. I know that some people say, well, a loving God, he wouldn't send people to hell, right? A loving God in the end is just going to check some box and everybody is going to be saved. And I just want to say today, that's not true. That is not true. You have friends and family and coworkers and maybe even people sitting in this room that do not know Jesus today. And if they don't know Jesus, when we leave this place, they will go into eternity without Jesus because all died, but only some live. And today we've been called to do something about that. But there's no urgency in the church about it. Have you noticed that? There's no urgency in the church about it. It's like we just don't believe, right, that our, our neighbor apart from Jesus is not going to be with Jesus. It's like we just believe this lie. We've bought into this thing that, that in the end it's all going to wash out. And I just want to say today, a loving God won't send you to hell, but he will let you choose it. He sent who? He sent Jesus, his son, to die so that whoever, right, John 3, 16, would believe in him would not perish but live forever, have everlasting life. He sent Jesus so all could live but not all will. Yeah. 
And today we have the opportunity to be involved in this. And that's, that's some context around it, but it's not all that he's saying here. He says, but, sorry, I went back to chapter 4. Uh, he died for all so that those who live should, here's the context, no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Here's the context of everything we're about to read. For those of us that know Jesus, maybe that's all of us, maybe it's some of us. Maybe it's few of us. But for all those who are saved, for all those who do know Jesus today, the only reasonable response to the grace of God is not to continue to live our lives and go to church or live our lives and and try to be better moral people. The only reasonable response is to live for him. That's why I say that saved people are people who have given their lives to Jesus, not people who have prayed a prayer. You'll never find that in the Bible. It says so that we could live for him. The context of everything we're about to read is found in these moments. Jesus died for us and the response to that is to live for him from now on. Then, because we know Jesus, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. From now on then, because we know Jesus and we're living our life for him, because we're saved people, we don't know anybody or see anybody in a purely human way. What's it talking about? It's saying that after we come and we live our lives for Jesus, we start seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. We've got to change our vision. We've got to change our perspective from I'm living in the flesh and I see everybody as the flesh sees people to now I'm living in the spirit and I see people as the spirit sees people. It's this human perspective he's talking about. We've got to shed or get rid of now see we have this bad habit of forming opinions about people don't we we see people and we're like they're like us they're not like us they act like us they don't act like us they dress like us they don't dress like us or they're mean and I don't like them right or they're nice and I do like them we form these opinions about people and what we do is we want to come by and we want to stamp little price tags on everybody right I like them, valuable, I like them, valuable, don't care about you, um, free, take good to good home, right? Like, we want to put value on, on different people, and he's like, hey, if we're going to live for Christ, we can't see people how we used to see people. We can't see people and just decide they're worth it or they're not worth it. I'm going to invest in them or I'm not going to invest in them. He said, that's not how Jesus would see things, and if we're not going to see people in a purely human way, well, how do we see people? We have to see people through the eyes of Jesus, right? From now on, we're living our life from Jesus. So from now on, we have to see people in the perspective that Jesus sees people. How does Jesus see people? Did he like selectively die on the cross? He's like, when I die, it's only going to be forgiveness for you and you and you. Not you, don't like you. When I die on the cross, only, only these people can hear and respond to the gospel, you guys, whatever, right? No, it says what? In John 3, you can't discount John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him. Now, that's a select group of people, right? Would not perish but have everlasting life. Only some people will believe, but God sent his son to the world, right? Everybody gets a shot at Jesus. Not everybody will take said shot. Everybody can hear the gospel, but not everybody will respond to the gospel, But see, the cool thing about that is we don't get to decide who those people are, do we? 
It is, it's true, every person you present the gospel to will not come to, see, to know Jesus. You could be the smartest theologian in the world, and you will not lead everybody on the planet to Jesus. It's just not to be. Only some people will believe. But you don't get to decide who that is. And that's what he's leaning into in this moment. He's like, hey, you know what? Not everybody will be saved, but I want you to know it's not up to you. Maybe the checkout person at the grocery store will, and maybe they won't, but it doesn't mean you don't invest in them. Maybe the, the kid at school that nobody talks to that's kind of weird and smells funny, maybe they will, and maybe they won't, but it's not up to you. Maybe you're a crackhead cousin, maybe they will, right? Maybe they won't, but it's not up to you. It's not up to you. See, the, the reality of it is we want to pick and choose who can receive the gospel and pick and choose who's worthy of our time. We want to do all those things. But he says, if we're going to live for Jesus, we've got to start seeing people how Jesus sees people. And Jesus sees people a couple ways. And the cross lets you know this. Worthy, valuable, loved. And he says, if you're going to live your life for Jesus, that's how you've got to start seeing people. Amen, right? That could be enough today. It's not. It's not. We're not done. Don't get excited, but that could be enough today. It even says, even though we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet we no longer know him like this, it's possible to know Jesus in a purely human way, to see him through flesh eyes. Some of you guys, before you come to know Jesus, you thought Jesus was a good man maybe, right? Maybe you even thought he was the son of God. You didn't respond to that, but you thought that. Maybe before you come to know Jesus, you thought he was a respectable prophet or he thought he was a great moral man. Maybe even, let's just be honest today, some of you thought he might be crazy. Let's be honest. There are people out there that are like, no, nah, Jesus is a crazy dude, right? It's possible to see Jesus in a purely human way, but, but when God steps into the picture, right, and he opens our eyes, it changes the perspective. And just like our perspective has been changed on Jesus, we've got to let God change our perspective on people. Why, why do you think when, when um, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says, Man, you're blessed. He doesn't say you're smart or you're good or any of that stuff. He says you're blessed because it's not flesh and blood that's revealed this to you, right? But it's God. See, if we come to know Jesus, it's because God opens our eyes to see Jesus. And if we're going to love people and we're going we're to pour into people, we need that same God to open our eyes to the fact that these people around us are valuable and God does love them. He says, we used to know Jesus Christ in a purely human way, yet we no longer know him like that. 17, therefore, because of this, if anyone is in Christ, I love that word in Christ. We just kind of skip over that a lot of times with this word in. It's not just like uh, I'm inside of Christ. That's weird. I don't know how you just get down inside of a person. But it's a, it's a word that means like union. It's a marriage word that we're in union or in relationship or in marriage with Christ. That we're in this inseparable bond with Christ. He says if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation this is the verse that as i was praying god just kind of put in the head right like this is the one this is the thing this is how god sees us those of us that know jesus this is how god sees us he says that we are a new creation not just a new version of the old you 
I think for most of us, that's what we have in mind, right? Like when, when we think about salvation, God just kind of dunked us in the water and he got us up and we're a little cleaner now. Or maybe God just come and he like painted us, like he, he put white on our, on our sin, right? He just kind of come over and he got the white paint out and he just kind of covered up all the bad stuff that was us. That's how we think about it. It's just like God is a renovator, right? He's a house flipper. He just takes the old us and he just kind of cleans it up a little bit and, and that's the new us. And, and how we think about it is that God sees us and we see us as just this little bit improved version of the old us. And I just want to say to you, that's not biblical at all. We're not a just kind of improved version of the old us. That's, that's not what God does. Actually, it says in the Word that we are a completely new creation. And what he's talking about is not just like I'm a new version of the old me, but I'm a new kind of creation. See, in reality, we used to completely be flesh beings. Did you know that? There was spiritually nothing in us. We were like flesh and blood, and there was this animating force that kind of propelled us around. But really, like we, we weren't spiritual beings at all. And then we come to know Jesus, and he, he makes something alive in us that was never alive in us before. And now there's this combination right, of flesh, the old me, and spirit, the new me. And when God sees us, what does he see and relate to? He sees the new us. It's, it's different. It's a completely different thing. See, when I was the old me, I used to have to do the old things. The old things could be moral things, right? Some of you are like, I know moral people that aren't saved. So do I. More moral than most of the church. I know those people. But they're still the old house, right? Maybe a pretty old house. Maybe it's like a mansion, right? Like they are, they are so moral. You're like, man, that's the most amazing thing. I don't know how you do that. But, but they're, still, they're still flesh creatures. There's, there's not a new thing in them. And they're still driven by the same desires. Maybe they're better at kind of controlling that. But the brain and the heart say to do the same things, right? It's the heart that's wicked. It's not the flesh that's wicked. But when God sees us, he sees us, church, saved people, as this new creation, this new kind of creation. And what he says about that new creation, I just want you to know, is that the old things are gone. They've passed away. It's, it's a word meaning died, right? So we try to fancy up death. They passed away. He says the old things have died, is what he says. Well, what's he mean? Right? Because if you're like me, you're still here, right? And you still deal with sin and you still deal with all these bad negative parts of us that you don't like. Well, well, when God sees us, he sees us as a new creation. And when he says that old things have passed away, what he means is old things have passed away. You're like, but I still live in the old things. Well, that's a problem you and Jesus will have to work out. I just want you to know today that the, the reality of it is that the old things, they are dead. Meaning my history is dead. Everything I used to be before the cross, man, that's dead. How many of you live back in, man, I used to do this thing, and I used to do this thing, and you live in the shame of that? Man, I used to be this, and I used to do all these things, and I, just, I feel like God can't ever use me because I'm, and he's like, no, that, that's dead. Your history is, is dead, right? Your, your sin, that's dead. Your shame, that's dead. Your guilt, that's dead. Old things have passed away. But you can go beyond that, right? Old things have passed away, meaning uh, I don't have to live like I used to live. That's a reality of our new life. We don't have to live how we used to live. Maybe some of us still deal with sin, but I want you to know today the thing living in you is greater than the things around you. 
maybe you still kind of do little skirmishes with sins and maybe even you've kind of given back into it but I want you to know today it doesn't have its foot on your neck ready to kill you you got a spirit of man with God DNA living inside of you and you don't have to live in that anymore old things have passed away my old history has passed away what I used to be it's gone my sin it's gone my shame it's gone and the old things that used to control me man they are gone I'm a new thing I'm a new creation. And what's it say right after that? And new things have come. Things I've never experienced before. Things I've never known like this before. Uh, I just want you to know today, new things are things like, hey, I'm forgiven. Never experienced that pre-cross. Maybe your friends could forgive you, but man, the weight of my sin, they couldn't do anything about that. I'm found. That's a new thing. I've never been a people before, right? We talked about that last week. I wasn't a people, but now I am a people. I'm chosen. God has called me. Those are the new things we're talking about here. God sees me as a new creation. What he sees when he looks at me is forgiven and loved and free and and holy. That word we talked about last week where I'm set apart for God. He sees those things. Man, isn't that good? I don't know where we're at this morning, but like that's good truth right there. Old things are gone. And new things have come. That's what God says about us. That's how God sees us. Doesn't matter how you see you. Doesn't matter how your friends see you. Doesn't matter how the world sees you. This is what God says about you. You are a new creation. Old things gone. New things are here. And that's not just my vision. That's everything about me. I can live for Christ because I'm alive in Christ. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away and new things have come. And it says this in 18. Now, everything is from God. Now, everything is from God. What's what's it mean? All this is from God. Meaning it's not found anywhere else. I could just say, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of us were raised in the church? What we were taught in the church was say this prayer and then get up and just be good, right? And what that translates into over years and years and years of just nobody saying any different is if I be good, God will love me more. Right? Anybody ever felt like that? Man, when I sin, God doesn't love me. Man, when I mess up, God, he doesn't love me. Man, when I fall, God doesn't love me. Can I just say that's a lie? You're a new creation. That unloved, it passed away. And new things are here. But we live, we try to live like we can earn the love of God. And that's just not true. Because none of it is from me. We live like we can, or maybe we don't, but some of us believe, right, that we can lose our salvation. No, you can't, because it's not from you. It's from God. It says everything is from God. Everything is from God. But here is, here, here's, here's the thought that I had last night as I was coming around this. Wouldn't it be a shame if we spent the rest of our life looking for something God already gave us? Running after, chasing after something God has already said about us. Wouldn't that be a shame? I started thinking about that. 
Because I think for some of us, what we do is we get into this swing of, I got to look for love, right? Maybe we aim that at God. I got to live in a way that God will love me. And maybe we aim that at people. I got to do something so these people will accept me and love me. But everything is from God. Some of us, maybe we, we spend all of our time trying to feel worthy, right? Trying to feel like we're worth something. And maybe, maybe we try to prove that to the people around us. And maybe we live in a way that we try to prove that to God. But what does God already say about us? He's already said that we're worthy, that we're valuable. He gave the most precious thing in heaven, right? And we pick out all these things, these places that we feel inadequate, and we, we allow people to make us feel this way, or we allow maybe the enemy to make us feel this way. We allow those voices to get in and to say, you're not worth anything, or God could never love you, or you're such a screw-up, or you're such a mess-up, or you're not worth anything, and you can never beat sin. You'll, you'll never get out of this pit. Have you ever heard those? And what we do is we, we get into this routine, this lifestyle where we try, to, we try to do everything we can to fight and claw and to earn that feeling of love or to try to earn that feeling of worth or try to earn that, that uh, idea that we, we could get out of the sin that we're living in. We turn to everything else but God to look for it and maybe even religion that we think is God. But what does it say? That everything is from God. When we come to the cross and we give our life to Jesus, He declares these things over our life. We already have received worth. Everything is from God. I don't need you to make me feel worthy. I don't need people to make me feel worthy. I don't even need religion to make me feel worthy because what God already says about me is I'm a new creation. I'm already worthy. What I don't need today is people and relationships and try to find fulfillment in some of that stuff or, or, or to dig into religion in such a way where I think that God is loving me more. That's a lie. God loved me at the most at the cross and the cross already declared that I am loved. Everything is from God. I don't have anything to do with it. I can't make any of it happen. God has already declared these things about me. And, and what I see around me and what I've seen in my life is some of us waste so much time trying to convince ourselves of the thing that God already said about us. When if God's already declared it, it's already true. And there's nothing I can do to change it. See, that's why there's so much power in seeing ourselves as God sees us. If we can see ourselves as God sees us, then we can begin to live out of that fuel that God already says about us. I don't have to live to feel worthy. I can live from worth. I don't have to live chasing love. I can live from a place of already loved, right? I don't have to live trying to, trying to earn something that I already have. I can, I can live out of that fuel of all those things that God has already said about me. He says everything is from God. We don't have to waste time chasing what God has already given us. It says now everything is from God who did this, who reconciled us to himself through, the, through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have reconcile up there. 
Reconcile is to restore friendly relations between. In other words, we weren't friends of God. You and I were born, what, dead, spiritually dead. We, we didn't have any communion with God. We didn't have any relationship with God. We actually were enemies of God, if you look at what the Word says. And, and I didn't do anything to get out of that. Religion teaches you, be good, and God will love you. No, everything is from God. God loved you when you were unlovable. And it says that in that moment when you were unlovable, he reconciled you to himself. In other words, he brought you back into friendship and agreement with himself. And then he did this in that moment. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When God calls us out of something, he always calls us into something. God called us out of darkness and he called us into light. What does light do? It shines in the darkness, right? Light is on a mission today. <laughs> when, when God called us out of death, he called us what? Into life. Life in a dead world, it stands out. Life is on mission today. When he called us out of being enemies to God and he called us into reconciliation, friendship with God, he gave us a mission. And the mission is to reconcile those around us to God. I love this because you know the reason we're not doing this? More so than I'm scared. More so than I don't know enough. At the heart of it, we just don't believe that we can or we don't believe that it's worth it. Let me just battle both of those for a minute. If God says you can, can you? Yeah. If he says you can, you can. If you don't believe it's worth it, let me battle that for a second, then you've never been reconciled. If you're not concerned about lost people, you may be one. The reality of it is, if we don't want other people to go to heaven with us, maybe we're not going to heaven. See, when we are reconciled, there is something that happens in our DNA that makes us think, man, I really want mom to be there. I really want brother to be there. I really want cousin to be there. I really want coworker to be there. I love these people, right, because I've been given new vision. When I'm a new creation, I don't have to work to get new eyeballs. When I'm living my life through the lens of Christ Jesus, I don't have to try to expend energy to, to live in that. I want to do it. And those of us that have been reconciled have been given the ministry of reconciliation you have that if you know jesus it's yours it's not the preachers it's not the singers it's not the deacons it's not that church's mission it's my mission as the church when i am reconciled i become a reconciler i have been reconciled to reconcile i've been brought into friendship and now i want everybody to have friendship it's a perspective shift that happens at the cross It says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation in 19. That is, here's the mission. 
in Christ or in union with Christ or through the cross of Christ that I was a sinner. Jesus died to save me from my sins. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. I love that. Past tense was. It already happened. God already made a way. I'm not saying everybody's saved. Go back to what I said at the beginning. In the end, it's not all going to wash out. Everybody gets the invitation. Only some will receive the invitation, right? Everybody gets the opportunity, the shot at Jesus. But there's a little group, a small group, a tiny group that will make it into heaven. But on the cross, Jesus didn't just say, I will die for X and I will die for X and not you. And I will die. He didn't do that. He died for everybody. One time Jesus died for all people. Including you. It says God was already happened on the cross, bringing the world or giving the world an opportunity to step back into fellowship with God. This is not counting their trespasses against them. In other words, God has already decided to forgive sin. Can I just say to you today, if you're like been hanging out in church and you're like, I'm just not good enough. I just I can never be good enough. God will never forgive me. No, God already decided to forgive you on the cross. Every sin was obliterated in the grace of Jesus on the cross. And there's not one, there's not one of you, not one of them today that doesn't have a shot. This is not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Can we put committed up there? It's coming. Maybe. Is it in there? Yeah. Commit. To commit is to pledge or to bind a person or an organization to a certain course or policy um i love pledge that's a cool word but let's think about bind to bind something is to tie something to to tether something and what it's saying here is for us that know jesus our lives have been inseparably bound to the reconciliation message today We talked about this a little bit last week. I think so many of us get caught up in in this fear of we don't know enough to share the gospel. Let me just let you know today, if your life is inseparably bound from the reconciliation message at the cross, what it means is you know enough if you know Jesus. Explaining the Trinity to your friends is is not going to make them decide to know Jesus or not know Jesus. It's not an intellectual process. What, what did Jesus say to Peter when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? He said, You are blessed because God has revealed this, not flesh and blood. See, in reality today, it's not what we know. It's not the theology in our head that's going to grab those people around us. It's, it's, it's who we are that's going to grab those people around us. See, in reality, it's never been about an intellectual argument, something where we can kind of argue somebody into heaven. That is not a possibility today. If God is not calling them, you can't be smart enough to call them. That's just not how it works. But if God is calling them, you also can't be dumb enough to get in the way. All they're waiting for today is somebody to stroll up into their point of view and then to share the story that I was dead and now I'm alive. Right? 
All they're waiting for today is a little bit of light to pop into a dark room, something different, something they've never seen before, to walk up in the same space as them and to say, there's hope today for something different. There's hope today to get beyond your history. There's hope today to escape the past. There's hope today to not live in sin and shame and guilt anymore. There's hope to get beyond this place into heaven. And it's not in me, and it's not in your boss, and it's not in your promotion, and it's not even in church or religion. It's in a man named Jesus, and I found him because he found me, and he's changed everything about me. That's what it looks like to be inseparably bound from the, to the gospel message. It's not about knowing all the theology Yes, invest your life in the Word of God, but it's about living the life that God has called us to live. And we will never today live as God called us to live until we realize, man, that God has already said today, you're new and you're forgiven and you're free and you're worthy and you're righteous and you're holy. It's not because of who I am. It's because everything is from God. And that's what God's been saying about me all along. Man, today there's hope in the gospel message. I believe it still. I believe it still. And I know it's not popular, right? It's not popular opinion to believe in the gospel message. Can we just believe that together today? Right? What's the world say? Don't, don't, talk, don't bring that here. Don't bring that here. What do they mean? They mean don't bring your theology here. I don't care about it. Don't come in here with your Trinitarian talk. I don't care about that. Don't come in here trying to explain how I need to be more moral. I don't care about that. If that's your theology tactic, if that's your discipleship tactic, if that's your soul winning tactic, you're wrong already. (laughs) The world doesn't need to hear a message of be more moral, do they? You know why? Because lost people are going to act like lost people. Dead people are going to act like dead people. Dark people, they're going to act like dark people. But what they need is for the candle to pop into the room today. They need for the light to walk into the darkness. How do you do that? Well, one, you got to know what God says about you. Because you'll never live how God intends for you to live until you know what God says about you. Do you know God says today that you're different? Do a little survey. Don't do it. Don't raise your hand. Right? <laughs> How many of you feel different? I don't always. I'll be honest, I can't always tell the difference in me and the people I work with, and I don't know if they know Jesus or not, all of them. But should I be? If we're ever going to see people come to know Jesus, it's not a should I, it's a have to. People aren't interested in being a new kind of old creation. I believe that's why people are burnt out with the church. I don't, I don't want to just be a new kind of old me. I don't want to be a little bit better. But man, they might be interested in being a new creation. I don't, I don't want to be a guy who's bound to the constraints of trying to be good in a body that can't be good. I don't want to be that guy. But I might be interested in being in a body that actually can be good. 
I'm not interested in, in living a life where for the next 30 years I'm chasing the love of some God that I've never seen before. But I might be interested in a God who loves me unconditionally even though that I don't even know how to chase him. I'm not interested in living years after years after years of trying to be worth something. I've done that with all my family and friends. But I might be interested in a God who says you are infinitely worthy. In a God who said, you know what, you're so worthy. I I poured out the very most precious thing in heaven for you. And when we see that that's what God says about us. We have fresh perspective to offer that to other people. Our life is the gospel message. Our life is the gospel message today. That we'll never live how God intended for us to live until we see ourselves as God intends for us to see ourselves.